Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world, on the interwebs, and around the state of Alaska, on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, good morning and welcome to the program. It is The Michael Duke Show. That's right, on the internet, uh, at michaeldukeshow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream. And, of course, links to all of our social media sites and everything else where we simulcast the radio show on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, uh, pretty much everywhere. You'll also find the podcast there each and every morning uh, after the show. You can go there and listen directly to the podcast on the website, or you can uh, or you can go over to your favorite podcasting app and you can listen to it there. Um, pretty simple, pretty easy. All you have to do is subscribe and it will automatically download each and every uh, morning right after the show as after we go uh, live and upload it to the, uh, to the thing it's, it's go do it. Fly be free. Also, of course, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. That's where we started and that's where we will remain is out here on the good old radio where it's free of charge every morning. And we get a chance to talk about the things that are important to you. All right. You ready? So for today, what is on the agenda? Well... Um, my friends, we've got, uh, we've got a few, uh, we've got some days here, uh, that are going to be, well, they're going to be jam packed. We're going to have a lot of guests, um, that are going to be joining us here. Uh, as we go through, we've got, um, <clears throat> we've got a whole slew of candidates, Sharon Jackson, uh, Lila Hobbs, Louis Flora, Les Guerra, um, uh, Roger Holland, Cliff, Cliff Groh, Stephen Wright, Jessica Wright, Willie Keppel, Justin Ruffridge, Arthur Surkov, Ginger Bryant. Uh, there is a whole smorgasbord of uh, candidates who are going to be joining us here uh, in the coming days as we go over everything that, um, you know, everything that's important to us here uh, in the election cycle. Uh, we're going to be talking with all those candidates and hopefully more. Uh, as we come up to the uh, as we come up to the uh, election uh, to the actual election day, which is now less than well, I guess what is it? Seven weeks. Um, I mean, I suppose I could do the math. One, two, three, um, uh, four, five, six, seven, seven weeks. Seven weeks from tomorrow will be the actual general election. And so uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of folks who are going to be talking to us here uh, in the near future uh, that we're going to be getting down into. Now, <clears throat> that being said, uh, today on the program, the first hour is just going to be you and me, you 
and me, my friends. We're going to chat about a few things, including what uh, I have historically called the politics of personal destruction. Um, we're going to talk about how po- – not that politics has ever been a, um, you know, a bloodless sport by any means. But may and maybe it's just as I get older, maybe I'm a little more sensitive. Maybe I'm a little more sensitive than I used to be. But sometimes I'm just looking around going like, oh, man, you, you guys are oof. You know what I mean? So we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about some stuff. We're going to talk about that this morning. And then we're going to uh, dive into it with uh, then we're going to dive into it with Sarah Vance who is the uh, GOP candidate for uh, the House of Representatives down there on the peninsula. She's currently serving for that district, and she will uh, is running for re-election to continue serving for that district. And so we're going to talk with Sarah Vance here uh, in hour two this morning on the show. So... Um, I will say, uh, so, I mean, first and foremost, how was your weekend? How did you do? Did you, did you rest? Did you recreate? Did you spend a quiet moment in reflection yesterday on the anniversary of 9-11? Um, did you, you know, did you, you know, talk amongst yourselves or did you just kind of unplug from everything and, you know, I mean, that's that was kind of me. I just kind of unplugged from absolutely everything, and uh, it is um, did a few chores, did a few things that I wanted to get done around the house. Um, nothing, you know, nothing super brutal um, or super hard, and uh, then enjoyed a bunch of time with the with the fam. Uh, that's about all we can. Uh, that's about all we can do right now, right? Uh, uh, it uh, it's it's exactly what we need to do um, sometimes to get things uh, uh, you know to get things uh, squared away. Um, all right, um, what else? What else? What else we got? I I I guess we're oh maybe we should do some good news, huh? Um, I think maybe we should do some good news today, um, and uh, in enjoy. Um, enjoy something fun and exciting and, uh, and positive. How about that? Um, we can, uh, we can, maybe we should do that. Um, okay. I, I, I've got a good news story. Should we start off with a good news story? Um, all right, let's, let's, let's do that. Here's a piece of good news from, uh, friends at the good news network. A man tracked down a teen knifeman who mugged his nephew, and rather than hand him in, spoke to him about turning his life around. After listening to the remorseful youth story, Winston Davis has been inundated with job offers for the lad to keep him away from crime. It took Davis six weeks to track down the 16-year-old frightened boy who had mugged his own 12-year-old nephew on the way to buy a chocolate bar. They arranged uh, to meet so that the teen could hand back the bag he had stolen. But it was when Davis, it was then that Davis discovered that the young man had no parents, job, or education, and against all those odds, he still wanted to be a computer engineer. Their conversation was filmed, and now it has gone viral, sparking a flood of job offers for the lad. 
Davis, who is also a charity worker, had called out for support and opportunities from his followers. He received a huge response, saying it's been amazing to receive loads of offers for apprenticeships, training, money, and mentoring. He said what had happened that the lad did it was uh, that the lad had did it was gesturing, <clears throat> excuse me, to the knife on his leg. But you could see on the camera that he wasn't wasn't held to his neck or anything. He just pointed to it and used it as a threat. The fact that he brought the bag back and chose not to turn off his phone or forget the whole thing said a lot about him. Um, and they went to the scene of the mugging after confirming that the police were going to do very little. He was expecting to find an adult, but he searched the CCTV and doorbell camera footage nearby where the event took place. He spoke to people in the area and he bumped into a kid who matched one of the pictures that he had been given only uh, to realize that he was just a boy. And now they have turned his life around. Um, that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, we all make mistakes. I'm not, I mean, I mean, I'm not, uh, excusing the fact that he, uh, did the wrong thing there, but somebody took a moment to go out there and find out what was going on. And, uh, there's one life that has changed one life that has changed. And that's, uh, that's good. That's some good stuff right there. All right. <clears throat> so that's the good news for today. That is, uh, that's the good news. Let's, uh, let's move on to some of the discussion of politics, shall we? And see what we can come up with here, um, on the uh, political spectrum. So one of the things, one of the big things that I've seen so far, and this is all going to fall back into my politics of personal destruction, uh, suggestion is uh, we see now the Must Read Alaska is covering uh, the stuff that's going down in the Kenai Peninsula borough. And, and I guess, I don't know, should I should I scold you? Should I scold the folks who are down in the Kenai Peninsula borough for not paying closer attention to what's going on in the people that they're installing in their own assembly? I know it's so easy. Look, I know, and maybe that's, maybe scolding is the wrong word. Maybe I should decry the lack of attention that's being paid to what's happening in your local. But I guess that could be said anywhere, right? I mean, I saw this happen in Fairbanks. I saw in Fairbanks as people stopped really paying attention to more local uh, local issues. And as more and more of the national headlines continued to suck up all of the oxygen in the room and people got all genned up about what was happening in Washington, D.C. And I mean, someplace, by the way, that they could really do nothing about. Issues and items and things that were happening that were being touted by the mainstream media and the talking heads and 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 people just were getting incensed about it and they were all spun up and they but it <clears throat> it didn't matter. It just didn't matter at all. Meanwhile, in their own backyard, especially in the conservative districts. Now, look, people can people can create and elect the type of government they want close to home. I mean, I, I'm not objecting to that. What I'm saying is, is that when you have an area that is overall, the overall area is you know, more fiscally conservative or more socially conservative or anything else. And that's the overall tenor of the place. And yet the elected representatives that are put in place in those local areas 
are directly antithetical to that, are more pro-big government and more pro, you know, uh, you know, liberalism or whatever label you want to put on it. Something is going on. Somebody is not paying attention. And that somebody, I think, are the people in these areas, whether it's Fairbanks or the Matsu or in, uh, in, uh, in the Kenai. This is what happens. When we're just not paying attention, when we're when we are, you know, look over here, look over here. All we can see is the, for example, the national issues, and that's what we're all spun up about, and that's all, that's where all our energy goes, and that's where we're all our attention is consumed by. I mean, again, things that we can't do almost anything about. Here's part of that problem. We're seeing that now. The Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly met in executive session yesterday and then released a statement to the public further attacking Borough Mayor Charlie Pierce. They said that they were waiving attorney-client privilege to say that in August it had asked Mayor Pierce to resign so it could more effectively settle a complaint against him. The Assembly and the alleged victim did not release all the deliberations, but the part they released contained specific aspects, basically the most damaging parts of any kind of story, as they seek to protect the Assembly's reputation, according to Must Read, after intense criticism that has come from the public over Assembly's actions, most notably the sudden decision to install Democrat Mike Navarre with no notice, no vetting, no warning, no additional candidates, no anything. They just said, oh, they they were the kingmakers. Oh, you're the mayor. Go. Assemblyman Tyson Cox has said that having Navarre in place will allow the assembly to put a pause on the special election that's called for to fill out the year that remains in Pierce's term. That was what was supposed to happen. They're supposed to have a special elect. Now they're like, no, no, we don't we don't have to do that. Now we've got our guy in there. We don't have to do anything. I mean, this is so reminiscent of the Anchorage Assembly and Mayor Berkowitz after the Buttgate scandal, right? Where they just filled somebody, took somebody, stepped up, did the seat. Didn't bother to fill the mayor's seat. Didn't bother to fill the assembly seat for the assembly person that was acting mayor. Even though that's what you're supposed to do. But they just, they put this, now this is after the borough attorney, by the way, came out and said, look, there is no, there is no um, agreement. There's no deal. There's no requirement for Mayor Pierce to resign. There's, there's no, uh, he, this is all voluntary. There's no signed agreement. There is not an ongoing investigation, said the attorney last week. I mean, everything that's, you know, this is one of those things where they can put out a bunch of stuff that is actually factual, that sounds worse than it actually is. But this is, again, if you don't like somebody, you find any way you can to tear them apart. I mean, I'm going to talk about this whole Navarre thing here in just a minute, and we're going to get into that, but I just realized that I'm up against the break already. So we're going to uh, take that, and then we're going to come back to it here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're also going to get back into discussions on the congressional race. Some new numbers are coming out now. A little bit mind-blowing. We're going to get into those here as well. 
The Michael Duke Show continues on the other side. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Wow. Wow. All right. Um, Good morning, good morning, good morning to all of you. Good morning. Frosted yesterday morning. Haven't looked yet today, said Robbie. Frosted already? Oof. Can we see a show of hands? Who's tired of the rain? No, it would be me. Uh, Good morning. You're not too sensitive, Mr. Dukes. It's gotten brutal. It has. It has gotten brutal. Um, all right. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, 9-11. We talked about that a little bit. Scold away. Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly politics happens when you're not paying attention. Uh, Michael Bradshaw says, I li- he from YouTube says, I live on the peninsula and there have been more and more liberals popping up over the last four years. I think that they've been there. I think they've just gotten more organized. I think that they've just seized the opportunity that's there in front of them. I mean, I really do. Uh, I mean, I really think that. Uh, Chris, can you, uh, the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly politics happens when you're not paying attention. This is exactly what I've been talking about. Government, especially bad government, is what happens to you when you're not paying attention. Stop watching what's going on in Washington and, uh, you know, with Biden and Trump and every, I mean, all the other, you know, I'm not saying that those things aren't important. I'm saying that we have so little effect on them. We need to focus on what we can control, what's happening in our own backyard. That's, I mean... Man, um, oh, was it ever communicated why Chuck resigned in the cer- in the first place? Yeah, I mean, they said uh, this is Chris over on Twitch. Was it ever communicated why Chuck resigned in the first place? And uh, Charlie Pierce is who he's talking about. And the answer is yes. They he did it so that he could focus on the campaign. Um, but he went to focus on the campaign, and I will say, then he immediately has taken like a week off or something. So. I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit about that appearances and debates and all this other kind of stuff. We're going to we're going to chat about this as well. Bethel is about to get a shakeup, says Willie. City council and management ran off all the employees that wouldn't take the jab, and now they don't have the employees to haul water and sewer or fill the fire department. Only one truck showed up for a mid morning fire that killed three people. Now the lawyers are circling. That's what happens. You can't find people. That's what's going on. Um. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm, I'm going through the comments here. We have Republicans in sheep clothing here. Bjorkman on the borough assembly running against Babcock. Ruffridge sold out in the city council running against Gillum. Both run with the Walker crowd. Now, Mike Navarre is a, as an assistant, is a co-chair, I think, on the, uh, on the Walker campaign. Um... 
loves everybody. Completely agree. You have to start at the grassroots. We have to go to the community council and city council meetings, show up for school board meetings. You would not believe the crap they get away with at the local level because everyone is focused on the net. That's exactly it. It's bread and freaking circuses, only it's the political variety. That's what's happening. We're so consumed by what's happening at the national level that nobody is paying attention to what's going on in their hometown. And they're shocked, shocked, I tell you, when all these policies suddenly break out and they're like, well, where, what happened? How did this happen? Because you weren't paying attention to what was going on in your local neighborhood. That's why. That's why I don't cover national politics on this show for the most part. I mean, some gun stuff, but that's about it. I don't cover the rest of it because we can, little minuscule, we could have, the, the effect that we can have is like a mosquito bite. We need to be paying attention to what's going on in our communities. We should be just as revved up as what's happening down at the city council meeting as we are about what's going on down in the in the in the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. All right, we got to go. We got to jump back into it. Let's do this thing. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Thank you all. Here we go. I mean, we really need to be paying attention. I, I guess so. This is this is just part of my conversation about the politics of personal destruction. I guess it's more of a sidebar, you know. But we're we're all concerned about you know buying local and supporting local this and supporting local that, and yet we spend all of our mental energies when it comes to politics. It seems like. Focusing on what, and this is not everybody. I'm not. I'm. I'm painting with a very broad, very broad brush here. But it seems like the majority of people are more concerned about what's going on uh, in the Capitol building in Washington D.C. and who's doing who and who's who's trying to screw who over and who's got the. It seems like we're more interested in that than we are in what's happening in the city council meeting or the borough assembly meeting that affects you far more than what's happening in Washington, D.C. Granted, Washington, D.C., they make rules and regs and laws and things happen that can can affect us in a lot of ways, but you want to see things that affect you directly all the time. What's happening in your borough assembly? What's happening with your property taxes? What's going on with the amount of spending? What's going on with the policies? What are they doing? I mean, when you have someplace like, you know, uh, the, the Kenai Peninsula Borough, which is a uh, you know, which is a f- one of the most conservative districts in the state. And you've got a borough assembly and city councils that are purple, if not outright blue. Is that representative of what is going on? Is that does that accurately represent 
your viewpoints. If not, it's because you're not paying attention. It's because we got sucked up. It's because we got sucked up by, by, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? We, 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 the attention is all, look over here again. Look over here, Washington, D.C. You should care about this. Meanwhile, the grassroots movements are going in and making huge changes to what's going on. Again, case in point, uh, back to this, uh, back to this, uh, uh, this thing in the in the Kenai Peninsula borough where Mike Navarre, a Democrat, has been appointed without public process, without the assembly allowing anybody else to apply for the position. They have placed uh, Mike Navarre in as the acting interim mayor. Now Navarre is a Democrat co-chair of the Bill Walker campaign for governor and at least least two other people, according to Must Read Alaska, had expressed interest in serving outgoing Senator Peter Michiki. I'm not surprised by that at all. I could have seen that. In fact, I I thought that maybe he was one of the ones that they were going to suggest go in there. And the second was former borough mayor chief of staff James Baisden. Baisden offered to do it for free as a public service. Uh, now, Tall, Dark, and Handsome down there, uh, Dwayne Bannock, who hosts a, a talk show down there called Sound Off, had, uh, had uh, Navarre on the program. And uh, he asked a bunch of questions. Uh, on the Thursday afternoon show, he recommended, Bannock did, that the Assembly have a do-over, even if the results were the same, just for the sake of transparency. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, Yes. He questioned whether or not the assembly had violated the Open Meetings Act because this, I mean, this thing went through so quickly, so quietly, so smoothly. He was asking questions like, was there some kind of behind the scenes agreement prior to the meeting? How many assembly members did you speak to while the while the vote was public? Were you involved in kind of consensus building? All of those, by the way, violate the Open Meetings Act, which we've talked about in this program a lot. Because of what the assembly does. But, I mean, this is, you know, um, Navarre uh, said uh, he took exception with what Bannock was saying. Uh, in He was in studio on Thursday uh, and said, uh, you are assailing the institution and the members of this because somehow some sort of fix is in. And none of that happened, Dwayne. Why can't it just be? I had to highlight that. Why can't it just be? I was contacted by a number of people who work at the borough and they said, would you be willing to do this for a short period of time? And I said, yeah, for a short period of time, I felt that when I looked at it, I was uniquely qualified. Why can't it just be? I mean, it doesn't have to be some kind of, you know, conspiracy. It doesn't have to be some kind of violation. Why couldn't it just have, you know, spontaneously happened? I mean, just like dropped out of the sky where I appeared and they said, oh, let's vote for him. Why can't it just be? Why does there have to be some kind of, you know, uh, a collusion and violation of open meetings law to just because I showed up and nobody else knew it. And I mean, they called me, they called me, but must read goes on to say that they obtained a memo from assembly president, Brent Johnson. And in the memo it's noted 
that Navarre was the one that called to ask if he could be the temporary mayor. Former mayor and former House Representative Mike Navarre also called me in London. He offered to serve as temporary mayor, Johnson wrote. And they later reached out to him to get a firm commitment. But don't worry, they called him. No collusion, no nothing. Now, Navarre did admit that they could have done better. If they had asked, you know, would you mind if we postpone this? I would, I would have said, just fine, postpone it if you like. That probably looks better. But I wasn't engaged in the debate before the assembly. That's the prerogative. It's not my, it's the assembly. Uh, Navarre says he sees this as a short-term management job, but that not that may not be how Assemblyman Tyson Cox sees it. He was the one that proposed having Navarre be the fill-in mayor. In a Facebook post uh, just six days ago, he wrote that the Assembly needs to now pause the special election process. If If I were you, if I were people down in the peninsula who are reside within the borough, I would be calling the office down there saying that special election needs to happen. That special election needs to happen. This is because you've got an interim mayor does not preclude you from fulfilling the duties of us being able to choose our next mayor. Not you, not the assembly. You guys ought to be down there raising hell. You ought to be marching on the borough building. You ought to be sending emails, writing letters to the editor. Picketing, putting up signs, talking to your neighbors. This is the same kind of pushwa that happened in Anchorage, where the mayor resigns in disgrace there because of Buttgate, right? And instead of having a special election, which is what the code calls for, that's what the city charter called for, they filed and filled that seat with another assembly member who served as mayor pro tem, meanwhile vacating their own seat, which they didn't allow to have an election for, even though that's what's supposed to happen. And they maintained control of the assembly and the administration. I mean, if I was if I was you guys, I would be, I mean, you think pitchforks and torches, I would be down there going, we need to have this special election. The people need to have the say. This is not the assembly's place to pick a semi-permanent replacement for a resigning mayor. That is a very temporary thing. You do not suspend special elections simply because you got your candidate in the door. But there you go. This is what happens when you are not paying attention to your local government. This is what I have been arguing about and shouting about for years now. If you are not paying attention to what's happening in your local lowest level government, I mean, all the way down to your little road service areas and your community councils and everything else and your city councils and your borough assemblies, if you're not paying attention to it, this is what happens. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. But this is, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. And then there was this piece in the uh, in the uh, Anchorage Daily News. 
James Brooks, they're reposting all the James Brooks articles now from the Alaska Beacon. Pierce absent, Dunleavy infrequent on debate stages as Walker and Guerra rack up the miles. There's a whole, again, uh, kind of a, uh, this goes back to the politics of personal destruction, this ridicule for anybody that doesn't show up to any of these debates. There's a bunch of different debates. Now, I'm torn on this. I really would love to hear from the different um, candidates on a debate forum, but I understand why they are limiting, uh, a lot of them are limiting their exposure to some of these stages because, you know, there's always a chance that you could misspeak something. I mean, I talk 10 hours a week. I talk on live radio 10 hours a week. I'm sure that you could listen to the 10 hours and pick out at least one a day, one mistake a day that I make while I'm talking live with no script for 10 hours. So I can't imagine, you know, standing up there on the debate stage with the pressure and the lights and everybody else up there. You're probably going to make a mistake. And I think there's been some speculation that what they're trying to do is they're trying to limit uh, Dunleavy specifically since he's well ahead in the polling, did very well in the rank choice voting. Does he really want to attend all of these things and have the chance for a misstep? Maybe, maybe not. Now, Andrew Jensen, his campaign, uh, uh, his campaign spokesperson, denies that the schedule, uh, the scheduling and, and the not appearing at everything is an attempt to avoid missteps. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you wouldn't. I don't want to make a mistake. Charlie, though, hasn't shown up. And that uh, and that is worrying to me. I know that Charlie uh, took a, a, a little bit of time off here at the beginning of the month. I don't know when he's back in the saddle. But I would really like to see Charlie go head to head with some of these guys. I really, really would. Especially Walker and Guerra. I would really like to see him go head to head with Walker and Guerra. I think that that would be a uh, I think that would be phenomenal. As far as going to the polls and having Walker, what are those got? What do they got to lose? You know, it's at this point, it's Dunleavy's race to lose according to the numbers and the polling. So it's not surprising why he didn't show up. Why? I mean, they're going to show up to everything they can. As we said the other day, any news is you know any press is good press as long as they spell their name right. That's the important part. All right, I got, there's one more thing I want to talk about, which is the breakdown of the congressional race. We've got some new numbers coming out. Uh, Suzanne Downing and her team have done some good work over here. I want to get into it. I want to talk a little bit about that, but we are, um, we're up against it. So we're going to, uh, we're going to take another break and we're going to come back. The Michael Duke Show continues. It's your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, Um, uh, in the break, let me go back to you here and see what you guys have been talking about while I was bloviating. Um, uh, Michael Dukes is right about watching out for uh, left-wingers invading our local government. The greatest set to our future is possible election of Valerie Therrien, a city mayor. 
the anti uh, the authoritarian LGDP, LGBT anti discrimination ordinance. Um, all right, thank you, Randy. Uh, your phone is off the hook. What's your phone number? Phones are no are not phone lines are not open right now, Bonnie. That's why the phone's busy. Phones are not open right now. Um, they set up little policies and ordinance at the local levels in ways that do not take effect immediately or do not seem like a big deal or relevant at the time. And then it rolls out when state and national catches up and everyone is left wailing and gnashing. You're not wrong, Jerrica. You're not wrong. Um, of course it was. The Clarion already had the story prior to the meeting. This is what Gail just said down on the, the Peninsula Clarion apparently had the story uh, beforehand. Um, they had There had to be an agreement beforehand. After all, Mike Navarre was there ready to accept the mayorship, said Sherry. I mean, I, again, I don't understand why you guys aren't down there marching on the city. I mean, ooh, ooh. Um, what difference does it make? says Hillary. Maybe that's it. Mike Navarre should decline the appointment. Oh, that's not going to happen. And Navarre hadn't been to a meeting in months, then all of a sudden shows up. <laughs> oh, special election does need to happen down here on the Kenai, says Brandy. Yep. Uh, I, th- I think you're leaving out that the Kenai Borough Mayor also resigned in disgrace, says Chuck, Ols- Chuck Olson. He didn't resign in disgrace. He resigned. Um, and now there's a he said, she said between the assembly and the attorney. The attorney said there's no investigation. There was no agreement. There was nothing else. Um, I think that there, you know, there's plenty of things being thrown around out there. Um um, there was a 1 p.m. special meeting yesterday. Did anyone attend and have highlights? No, it was a spe- it was an executive session, Cindy. That's I think that's what you're talking about. They called themselves into executive session yesterday, so that there nobody was nobody could be there. That was the shh, quiet. This is our quiet meeting. Um, hold my beer, says Kevin. Uh, Sherry says she's agreeing with everything that I'm saying. She's so frustrated. I mean, I, yes. Anchorage is a disaster. The boroughs north and south are healthy. Why would Kenai want to turn liberal liberal and slide into a toilet like Anchorage? I don't think it does. I don't think it wants to. But again, this is what happens when we're not paying attention on our local stuff. I mean, the national stuff is all sexy and it's big and it's in lights and everything else. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's en vogue to stomp around and gnash your teeth about, you know, President Joe or President Don or whoever, you know, that's oh, we should just be all. But we're not paying attention to what's going on in the backyard. Oh, okay. I'm just scrolling through here. Um, I don't think anyone knew about this meeting, but I did see two of the assembly members in the bar apparently after the secret meeting. It was an executive session yesterday, so I don't I don't know what's going on there. Um, let me see here. Um, and I gasped like a fish out of water and went to Facebook right away to voice my outrage. When nothing was said, I talked to Rod Gillum. That's when it went more noticeable. Um, 
I'm sorry, Laura's got something. Laura, email from Mansco School District went out last night after a hopping discussion on curriculum. They have allowed an additional 30 for families to review it. I highly encourage folks to take a look at this information and give your feedback. Thank you. Uh, Greg says the assembly in KPB has been liberal for years. Yes, that's my point, Greg. We've seen this coming. You, this is not like this is a shock. We've seen this coming for years. Why are we not, if, if we're going to focus on making a change, why try and focus on making a change at the national level where we have very little input? Why not focus on the little one? Why not focus on the lowest level, the level that's closest to home? Um, Charlie is campaigning now on and will be attending three debates. Sorry, folks, not enough Charlie Pierce to go around. All right, Cindy, and I just want to know, you know, we want to see these debates. We want to watch them. We want to see what's happening. But, I mean, this whole thing is just this whole thing with Navarre and all that stuff. My brain just my brain hurts at this point. All right, we're going to get back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Let's do it. Here we go. my friends welcome back to the program it is monday it is the michael duke show and we are talking about alaskan politics as we do each and every day here on the program as i was just saying to the chat room this is one of the reasons why i generally don't cover national politics there's very few things that we can have an effect on i make an exception for firearms because i believe that that's important at every level But for the most part, I focus on what's going on in our local communities, what's happening in, you know, in the peninsula, in the interior, down in South Central, in the valley, you know, Seward, all these different places, because I think that's where we can make a difference. Now, Greg in the chat room said the assembly in the in the Kenai has been liberal for years. Yes, I know. That's my point. But the but the, the but the peninsula itself is considered to be one of the conservative bastions right the strongholds it's the like the one of the reddest places in the state what does that say when it votes as one of the reddest places in the state but at the same time the local government is all blue what what does that tell you I'll t- this what it tells me is that people are not paying attention to what's going on locally They may pay attention at the state level. They may pay attention at the national level. But overall, they're not paying attention to what is happening in their own backyard. And then they're shocked. Shocked, I tell you, when you get transvestites up on the stage shaking their booty in front of five-year-old kids. Shocked, I tell you. How could that happen? Really? You're shocked? Have you seen the makeup of the assembly? Have you seen? You're shocked? Outraged. 
well, maybe we should have taken a little bit of a closer notice, you know, earlier on. Um, all right. Uh, I wanted to get into this uh, because this is uh, some preliminary stuff. This came out on uh, Friday. Suzanne Downing uh, had a chance to get the data from the Division of Elections and that she's still analyzing it. This is just the first story. But they got all the data from the Division of Elections so they can see how people voted at, at every level on the ballot. And remember how I said it was amazing to me and very frustrating to see that Nick Baggage's second place votes, that 20% of them didn't vote for anybody else, that they only voted for Nick Baggage, and that they should have ranked the red instead? Not to mention the fact that 27% of them voted for Mary Peltola, right? I mean, I was pretty shocked about that. Well, this much is clear. This is the preliminary in, in, in info coming out of the Division of Elections right now, according to Suzanne Downing over there at Must Read. 41% of the people who voted for Sarah Palin did not fill in a second bubble for any other candidate. That means 41% of almost half her voters voted for Sarah. They were one and done, bullet voters. Now, this is after everybody is all kumbaya and I'm going to vote for you, and I'm going to vote for this. And, and yet, in the end, we had 20% of baggage voters and 41% of Palin voters who voted for one and done. Now, the question is, is this because Sarah Palin told people to just vote the old-fashioned way? Or is it because they are mad at Nick? I'll tell you what I think it is. I'll, this is, again, just my personal opinion. This goes back to the politics of personal destruction. Nick Baggage and Sarah Palin tore at each other in public. They stood up together, and when they both could have turned on, for example, the third candidate, Mary Peltola, and 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 you know pointed out her flaws or her policy things, or even attacked her ad hominem. Not that I'm advocating that, but they could have. Instead, they turned on each other and just absolutely went into full-on attack dog mode. And you know what happened? You get a cadre of people who believe in their candidate no matter what, and when they see somebody else attacking that candidate, those folks are never going to get the vote. Never going to get the vote. And Sarah's got some diehard, diehard fans. She's got some diehard believers. And the second that Nick Baggage's campaign started to attack her, he immediately lost those second place votes. And the same thing for Sarah Palin. When she started to attack Nick, there were some diehard Nicks. Seems like probably a little fewer since there were half as many that bullet voted on the on the baggage uh, side of the world. But again, this is the politics of this is the problem 
with what this is the problem that that conservatives and 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 Republicans have had for years, and they just refuse to. They refuse to acknowledge it. They refuse to fix it, and they just continue to do it. It used to be that they just tear at each other in the primaries, but because now this is all taking place in one big kerfluffle, one general four-place rank-choice election, now they're doing it out there right in God's eye in the public, right in the middle of the general election with no time to heal between the two of them. Now, Downing ran some analysis and said that if Begich had been in second place, you know, in the three-way when it was Peltola and then Palin and then Begich, if Begich had been in second place and Palin had been eliminated first, he would have reached 88,000 votes and would have beaten Peltola. Now, that's if wishes were fishes, we'd all have a fry. But it just shocks me. That this message was out there to rank the red. This message was out there to vote for the conservative candidates in all races. I did. I voted for the conservative candidates in all races. And yet, there are people out there that just, nope, one and done. 41% of Palin voters. Now... How is this going to work out in the in the upcoming election? I don't know. I don't know if you can mend the fences. I don't know if you can change the messaging. Quite honestly, I don't know if Begich's people or Palin's people are listening to this program or anybody else at this point to tell you. But if you are, let me tell you something right now, folks. Stop attacking each other. You know who you need to be going after? Mary Peltola. Stop attacking each other and go after Peltola. Point out her differences in policies that you disagree with. I mean, if you I guess if you're going to ad hominem, don't ad hominem each other. Have a kumbaya. Have a have a handshake, have a truce, tell them you're voting for each other. I don't it it you guys are screwing it up. You're messing it up for everybody else because your egos are involved and you're gonna attack each other uh and shred into each other, not just on policies, but personally. You're going to mess it up for all of us, and we're going to have Mary Peltola for the next umpteen years, because once she gets in there on the long term, not just on the short term, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be hard to peel her out. Stop with the attacks. People don't like it. Well, but I've got numbers that show that people don't like it. I mean, what other numbers do you need to have? 41% of Palin voters did not rank anyone second. 27% of baggage voters ranked the Democrats second, and nobody, 20% more ranked nobody second. What is stop attacking each other? For the love of God, just stop. 
Again, the politics of personal destruction do not need to be used here in the state of Alaska. You want to point out a difference, that's one thing. You want to get nasty about being a quitter or negative Nick or whatever the other cutesy names that everybody's... Just stop. All right. Sarah Vance is up. I'm mad now. Sarah Vance is up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget you can join us on Facebook every morning. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show for the live show and simulcast. We'll be back with more and Sarah Vance right after this. Let's see. Um, how many baggage voters voted for Chris By as a ride-in? That would be me. Baggage was my second choice. Palin was my third choice. That's how I voted. But I voted for multiple people, all conservatives. Um, I'm scrolling backwards here. Um... Bronson say, I love Bronson, but he's barely holding on right now. Consider he's also battering the CRT school board with no veto power in his pocket. I mean, that's the thing. It has become such a conflict right now in the city of Anchorage. Bronson is, I mean, it's a constant, it's all out warfare between the assembly and the administration at this point. What you need to do is change out some of the members of the assembly and that would help the issue. Um, the issue in KPB is many folks don't take time to vote in local elections. Notice the KPB election is in October. That's what they used to do in Fairbanks. I don't know if they're still doing it, but it used to be that the municipal elections were in October. And then a month later, you had the state elections or the national elections. I don't know why they just don't consolidate them all down to one. You'd save yourselves tons of money. I mean, look at what happens at Anchorage. They hold their municipal elections in April of all. What? Why? Um, Bjorkman and Johnson and Charlie and a couple others knew Mike was going to get shoot in. I don't. Yeah. Again, it must have already been decided. Um, Palin's people don't want a lib or an unknown baggage. Robert, I I don't know how. All right. I'm sorry. I can't address that ignorance right now. Uh, the results will happen again in November. Um, I am not am not surprised at all. This was is a sentiment that a bullet vote was out of spite for the RCV system. I guess. Hey, bully you. You made your point. You got the Democrat elected. Congratulations. Congratulations. You made your point. You hate ranked choice voting. No one attacked Peltola. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, not even really on her policies. Um, all right. Um, uh, many had no, um, many people obviously had no idea how ranked choice voting worked and said F it and voted one and left. Uh, maybe, I don't know. 
Where did I find that count? Uh, this is from an article that Must Read put out this morning. Um, uh, Susie, I just posted it down in the chat room there. You can scroll down um, from a few minutes ago. Uh, the only way Peltola gets defeated if one of the two resigns and then produces a full throw to support for the other. Rank the red. Rank the red. Um, after baggage smeared Palin's people say rank the red. She smeared him right back, Robert. This is not, this is, she's not pure as the driven snow on this. Um, okay. Hey, don't talk to us like that. Sorry, Rick. I'm just, I'm just laying out some cold truth. Uh, baggage and Palin need to show a very public united front and tell their supporters to rank red or we will lose Alaska. Yep. Uh, do not attack Peltola either. What they need to do is say how great they are in every category. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If why, why the ad, ad hominems never work. Um, um, if you don't rank the red, you're voting for a liberal Democrat. The Dems have figured voting, uh, figured out, uh, voting figured out, but Republicans bring their egos tired of both already. Um, um. We talk about Dems eating their own, and here we sit. We talk about the Republicans eating their own. The Republicans are the ones that are classic for eating their own. Um, I voted Sarah, then Nick, said Jonathan. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. Where, but where were the 41% of Sarah voters that voted for nobody but Sarah? Um... The upside for baggage is it may be assuage concerns as to his conservative cred. Maybe. Um, all right. Well, I'm waiting to see. Um, I think Sarah Vance should be. Um, she's supposed to follow that link here this morning to get her on the uh, to get her on the program. Let's see. Oh, she's read the message. So hopefully. She is going to be testing it here in just a second uh, because we've got about two minutes before we got to jump back into this here. Um, So, Sarah, if you're listening, you need to jump in and uh, connect. Uh, There we go. All right. Well, folks, I appreciate you uh, coming in this morning and uh, joining us. I'm sorry that there was some uh, anger and frustration this morning, but I've just I've been I've been beating this drum for so long. I just don't know. I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get people to focus on their local stuff and stop watching the national bread and circuses. That's what I just I just don't know. I just don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. Um, all right. Um, well, uh, we're about ready to jump back into it. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke show, um, common sense, Liberty based free thick and radio. Please like, and share the show. Thank you for joining me and, um, liking me and following me on Twitch. That really helped out. We got to our 50 Twitch subscribers. I appreciate that. We're going to continue here in just a moment. Let's get to it. Here we go.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, across the world on the internet and around the state of Alaska at MichaelDukesShow.com. Uh, and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is hour two of the uh, big radio show and we are continuing our discussions. As I said uh, earlier in hour one, uh, the next few weeks are going to be very, very busy here on the program with guests um, we have got a, uh, I mean, just to, just to name a few that I've received uh, confirmations from that they want, we're about to schedule today. We're spending a good part of today scheduling on the show. Uh, Rosalind Casey, Roger Holland, Stephen Wright, Les Guerra, uh, Willie Keppel, Jessica Wright, uh, Justin Ruffridge, Rob Myers, Arthur Surkov, Ginger Bryant, Sharon Jackson, Lila Hobbs. It's going to be a lot. Louis Flora, a bunch of people. Uh, uh, that are uh, coming on board, and uh, we're going to be talking with them about all the good stuff uh, that's coming down. So we've got definitely got uh, uh, two candidates a day, three or four days a week. We're definitely going to have a lot to talk about here over the next few days and the next few weeks. We are currently only seven weeks away, seven weeks away from uh, the – from the general election, and uh, I am ready to. Uh, well, I got. I'm kind of ready for it all to be over already. But don't uh, don't don't tell anybody right now. But I mean, that's kind of you know, we've got to get all the information we can uh, on board, and uh, that's what we're that's what we're planning on doing. All right. Well, so to forward that is, I guess I just spent the last hour talking about politics, but now let's get into the candidate stuff. Joining us this hour is a GOP state rep for our District 6, uh, Sarah Vance. Uh, she joins us this morning to talk about her candidacy and uh, and everything else. And uh, we welcome her to the program. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I am in your studio waiting backstage. I finally oh. figured out how oh. to get in. Oh, you finally figured out. Okay, good. Well, we got Sarah. We got Sarah on the line here. So good. So we'll... Look at that. We we made it all. We're we're using technology, folks. More and more we're using technology in a different way. So let's get Sarah uh, added to the stream here and we will uh, we'll start off here and get things rolling. So good morning. How are how are things in beautiful Homer today? What's happening down there? Up. Oh, I got to unmute. I got to unmute her mic. She's her mic is now muted down there. There we go. Uh oh, your mic's not commuted. That's fine. I'll just turn your your phone up since your phone is still connected. 
good. It says my browser has lost connection to my mic. What's going on here? I don't know. I don't know. I say we just talk and let it let it all go. I've got you on the phone. I got you on the video. What more could you ask for? So uh, okay. So how are things going on down there? Going well. We just had a fun day out at the Catchment Gun Club. It was a t- it was a lot of fun. I just you know, you can't have a bad day at the range, can you? I mean, we had uh, Pistols and Potluck fundraiser. Greg Collins uh, hosted that and brought out some metal targets, and we had some healthy competition hamburgers and just had a good time, a little bit of a, a gun auction. And, uh, you know, I ended up with a little bit of bruising. Like, I'm, it's been a while since <laughs> I've just been out and shot so much. I I'm woke up and my hands are a little worn, and yeah. it's great. It's that, good feeling i need to get back back in the saddle yeah that's proof that you haven't been shooting nearly enough at that point when you go out there i've had that happen where i haven't gone shooting in a while and come back and the next morning my hands are sore um you got a chance to meet some great people and get out there tell me what the people on the peninsula are caring about right now as we look at this i mean we were just i just spent the last hour railing about all the problems that are going on and the and the politics of personal destruction but what do the people care about what i mean you know we could see all the talking heads and all that what are what do people care about right now what's important to alaskans especially in your own district six The number one thing that people are talking to me about is when can we get rid of ranked choice voting? Really? That's, I mean, ahead of the PFD, ahead of the budgets, ahead of uh, the economy, it is when can we get rid of ranked choice voting? Well, I think there's a clear understanding that if we don't have integrity in our elections, where uh, one person, one vote, that they know that all is lost. The next topic is obviously the economy and the fact that people are struggling the price of goods uh, are are so ridiculously high, and we have to get a hold of our runaway government. I um, I mean, I, I look at these numbers, and I don't know if you just heard the last segment, but the the new numbers just came out. Oh, look at that nice mug, by the way. Um, it just came out, and the new numbers uh, from Must Read show that forty one percent of Sarah Palin voters didn't vote for anybody else; they were bullet voters. Now, I don't know if that is just anti-ranked choice sediment, if that's because of the uh, ferocity that the Palin and Baggage were duking it out and shredding into each other or what, but it's troubling to me that 41% of those voters had no second vote in the immediate quote-unquote runoff of the ranked choice voting. It just It really means that they just disenfranchised themselves. I mean, this whole thing is so frustrating. Well, I think part of it is is that it's it's such a complicated system with the ranked choice voting that they don't want to get it wrong. Uh, there's still a concern about dividing a vote, just you know as we had before. But this time, when you rank both Republicans, you're not dividing the vote; you're multiplying the vote, and that's yeah. just such a different concept for us. Right. Well, it used to be, like you said, in a in a general, if you get two Republicans and a Democrat and it's the regular old voting system, you're splitting the vote. Oh, I could vote for one or vote for two. But then the Dem- but now, no, you get multiple you get multiple bites at the apple. So you should be ranking every conservative person that you have any kind of agreement with at that point. Yes. And uh, because I want people to have confidence in going to the polls, I have partnered with some of the chambers here on the lower peninsula. And we are offering a nonpartisan ranked choice voting workshop 
We are going all down the district this month on the 24th and 25th. It's a Saturday and Sunday, starting in Kasilov at 10 a.m. at the Kasilov Community Church. Then we'll be going to Manilchik, Anchor Point. And on Sunday, we'll be having one in Homer at 2 o'clock where people can zoom in. And that's giving Soldovia the option to zoom in that day. And Sarah Erkman Ward is going to be giving just an overall um, workshop on how to understand the ranking, what ballots will be accepted by the Division of Elections, which ones will be tossed out so that people feel confident going to the polls. And she gives uh, actual sample ballot in your hands so that you know what to expect when you come to the ballot box in November. And I had her here before, and a lot of people really felt a lot more confident just by attending this workshop. So you can go to my Facebook page and spread the word on these workshops coming right. up. Sarah, I mean, I'm going to say this. Ranked choice voting is, it's not that difficult, okay? It's not that difficult if you have had two minutes to have it explained to you, right? I mean, if you've taken, what sure. I think I think what a lot of this is, is that a lot of people Super voters probably get it. I mean, I walked in, I looked at the ballot, I voted on all the one vote ones, and then I turned it over and there were four choices and I wrote my three choices in and there there, and I was done. It was pretty simple. It was pretty easy. I think what's getting hit here is people who are not political. They don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. They feel like they've got to do their due duty to go in and vote twice a year, the primary and the general. And they went in there and they were like, what is this? I don't understand. I mean, I think that's where it gets good because it's it's really not that difficult, you know, once you've had, a again, a two-minute explainer on how it works. But the problem is the vast majority of people just weren't paying attention. This wasn't even on their radar at that point. Am I wrong? Well, I, I agree. I think that's part of it. The other thing is that people don't want to vote against their conscience, and nor should they. But right now, I'm, I'm reminding people that in order to win, we have to learn how to play the game. We can't win unless we just play along. And that means that we have to get to the polls. And I'm telling people, vote your conscience on the first one and pinch your nose on the second one. Right. Because if we don't, we lose. And that, that's some major consequences. So I'm telling people, you got to get us back right now. And then when we get back to session in January, we can repeal ranked choice voting. And somebody just said that there are some radio shows telling folks one and done. I mean, you can't do that. Again, if you didn't vote for more than one, you basically, you you disenfranchised yourself. That's the thing. You've disenfranchised yourself. You have no one to blame but yourself because it's literally, I mean, they say it's an instant runoff and they're not kidding. It's just like a run. So hypothetically, if this whole thing had gone the way that it did before, um, there was a single, there was a one round of voting. Mary Peltolo was first. Sarah Palin was second. Nick Baggage is kicked to the curb. And then we would come back 60 days later or 30 days later and have a runoff. And now it's just Sarah Palin and just Mary Peltola. That's how you have to look at it. You have to go, what's left in the race? If my guy is eliminated, who's left? If my guy or my gal doesn't make it, who do I vote for next? It's got you. You've got to think beyond the sound bites, I think, in my opinion. Well, the other issue that we have is that not every election is created equal. Not every race, excuse me, is created equal. Like in my race, I'm the only Republican. I'm the only true conservative. The other two are nonpartisans, 
and uh, we <laughs> see where that got. Wait, us. wait, is that code for something? You keep using that word. I, I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, right, I don't think so. Yeah. So in my race, there's no need to vote for any anyone else because there's no other conservative or Republican option. Right. I, and I'm not going to vote like, I mean, we're talking about, for example, in the in the in the governor election, I will not be ranking Mr. Guerra or Mr. Walker because I don't believe they don't. None of my philosophies align with theirs. That means I'll be ranking two and I'll be done. And that could be the right. case. But in the case of the in the case of the of the congressional race, I ranked three because I found three candidates that I believed in and didn't rank Peltola. That's how it works. Well, I mean, I understand why it's so difficult. It's not difficult, I guess. The problem is, is that it is confusing, especially for people who are kind of where it's kind of sprung on them at the last minute. Not that it, we haven't been talking about it. It's just that they're not political. They're not listening to this show. They're not list. They're not picking up the paper. They're working day in and day out. They're working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is why it's important that we talk to our friends and neighbors. Uh, you know, it's just a casual conversation because this. This will direct our entire state government from now on. We have to understand the magnitude of this election in November that every, let's see, all but one legislator is up for re-election, our governor, our U.S. congressman, and U.S. Senate. Right. And we have an opportunity to vote on a constitutional convention. This election, above all others, will transform our state government. We have to make sure every like-minded individual makes it to the polls and feels confident when they get there. And that that's something that people can do just by reaching out to your friends and neighbors. Right. We've got a and I think that's the important thing. It, we have we the average person, well the I guess in this case super voters, right? I mean the people listening to this program would probably be considered to be super voters. They're plugged in, they're knowledgeable, they're paying attention more than your average Joe. It is our responsibility to reach up to people, to reach out to people around us, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, our coworkers and educate them on how this works. I can't tell you over the last 5 months how many times I've mentioned something to a coworker or a friend about ranked choice voting and they're like, "What?" I'm like, "It's going to be" and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's what we just voted for. I thought it was just to take away dark money. No, they totally changed the voting system. I had no idea. Yes. Well, let me explain to you how it works. That's what we have to do. Yes. And it's, when you get a sample ballot in your hands, take that to the seniors. Because uh, my dad did that to some some neighbors, and they were so relieved. That, that eliminated so much anxiety just by seeing the sample ballot so they knew what to expect when they went into the ballot box. That's that's another uh, community service, if you will, that we can do that will help people feel more confident. But the other thing is to give them hope that by electing good people, the right people, we can repeal this ranked choice voting and return it back to what we had before with one person, one vote. So I have a bill uh, that is being drafted right now that will do just that. And we can hit the ground running when we get to Juno. Sarah Vance is our guest. We're going to continue with her in just a moment. Uh, we will be back with more. Don't go anywhere. You can find us online, by the way, as well this morning on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch TV. Feel free to come on out and join us there. We'll be back with more right after this. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are uh, in the break now. Sarah Vance is our guest, um, and uh, we've got her on the phone. Oops, i got to turn the phone back up. I forgot about that. Uh, on the phone as well. Um, somebody just said, this is Tawny. Tawny just said, Sarah Palin said yesterday, do not comply. Now, I'm assuming you're talking about, Tawny, about the ranked choice, do not comply. So just vote one and you want to get a Democrat in Congress for the next 20 years. That's how you get a Democrat in Congress for the next 20 years. You do not comply. That is the dumbest statement I've ever heard. End of story. Sorry, Sarah, I didn't mean to jump in the middle of that with you there. But I mean, again, like you said, we've got to learn to play the game. That's the thing. We're getting killed because we're like, oh, well, I'm just not going to play the game. I'll just not. Th-. And then we just get slaughtered and we're like, how did that happen? Why am I bleeding from every? I mean, why? Am I, I mean, why? Because we're not playing the game. I didn't say we had to like it. No. I didn't say we had to accept it. I would like to win it, though. I would like to win the game. And to Very win the game, so. you have to play the game. That's right. We have to learn the rules in order to play the game to win. I expect a win, and that's what I'm going to do. That way I can correct the course once we get back to Juno. And this is this is transformative. So we can't just, you know, stand our ground. It's not going to work that way in this election. But if we play it right, then we don't have to put up with it anymore because we can get rid of this uh, scheme as soon as we get to Juno. And I know you... And I know Kevin McCabe and I know Mike Shower and I know a couple other ones uh, have already got – I know Ron Gillum said he was working on it. I hope yeah. you guys are all working together to come to get, come together. I mean, now is the time to remove it. it but we yeah. have to have – here's the thing. We've got to have a majority to get in there and remove it. And if we don't, this could be with us for quite a while, right? Yes. And that's why we need your help. You know, I think – That's the other thing is that we've been promised that the last two terms that we would have a Republican majority, but the numbers are looking really good, but we can't do it without you. You know, a lot of people are telling me they have confidence that I'm going to win. And I said, you control that. You control whether I go back to Juno or not. And that means I need your help. So, you know, putting out yard signs is so helpful. It multiplies our efforts and talking to your friends and neighbors about how to vote this system. And uh, we can do this. It's like you said earlier, it's not that hard, but we need to be motivated and not lose hope because it really is working. We wouldn't see so many nervous Democrats if it wasn't working for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I agree with that. We just got to come together and, and is again, this Republican uh, uh, behavioral problem of basically killing each other in the primaries or whatever is now transitioned to the generals. And, and the bottom line is we just need to stop. We need to stop killing each other, find where we can uh, agree, point out our, our philosophy differences or our position differences, uh, policy differences, but don't attack the people. Because again, I, I think that that, that just irritates and turns people off. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I like to talk about the policy and what I'm going to do moving forward. Uh, you know, identifying kind of the resume of my opponent is helpful, but, you know, as long as people know that I'm still working for them and that I'm going to be listening to what they tell me to do and keep my word, you know, I think that's uh, the best way to go. And I don't have to worry, keep looking over my shoulder at the, at the person coming up behind me if I have my eye on the goal. Right, exactly. Um, all right, uh, Sarah Vance is our guest GOP candidate for District 30, uh, for District 6, sorry. District, the new, the new District 6. Uh, yeah. She is uh, currently the rep and uh, running for re-election. We're going to get back to her in just a second. Hold the line, Sarah. I'm going to be right uh, back to you uh, in just a moment. Folks, do me a favor. Please like and share this video. We'd love to get more Alaskans involved in the conversation. We'd like to educate more people about the things that are important, but we need your help to do it. So whichever platform you're watching it on, share it. Then like and follow, hit subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. All right, let's get down to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, we're continuing now. Our guest this morning is Sarah Vance, a GOP state rep for District uh, 6. And she joins us this morning. We were just talking about ranked choice voting because she said it is the number one thing that her constituency is talking to her about. Um, I saw that I think it was Tuckerman in the chat room that said it was ranked choice and then the PFD and then the economy in his district. Does that does that follow as PFD the second most important thing to the folks in your district or is it the economy or is it uh, elections? What is it that uh, is the it, what else are people talking about, Sarah? Well, I think uh, Tuckerman is hearing accurately across the peninsula. You can't talk about the economy and the PFD in two separate silos. They are very much intertwined. And uh, while it's being touted that this is the largest PFD in history, which it is, it is also not the full statutory dividend. And we were so close in the legislature to having that full statutory dividend um, for the first time in what, six, seven years? Yeah. And it just fell through the cracks. And that eliminated $52 million from the Kenai Peninsula alone right out of our economy this year and that would have been an incredible shot in the arm i'm thankful that we do have such a great pfd but like i've said before it's not about the dollar amount it's about it being lawful that i'm going to fight for alaskans and uh you know that's hitting people's pocketbooks people are wondering how they're going to be able to uh, keep fuel in their homes make the repairs and buy food the food issue is such a big deal right now I I would agree with that. Um, you would see. I mean, first of all, I agree with following the law. Hashtag follow the damn law. Uh, second of all, uh, I would say that uh, I I posted an article on Friday uh, that talked about the cost of food. How the supermarket it was a it was a publication for the industry supermarket industry, and they said uh, the average food cost right now two hundred and twenty seven dollars a week for a family of four, and they're estimating by the end of twenty twenty three that it will be over three hundred dollars a week for a family of four. And by 2030, it will be closer to 500 and change 
for a family of four. If the inflationary curve continues over the next six years, that's what you're going to see. But again, my my wife is sending me pictures from Fred Myers the other day. She goes, when did this go up? When did that go up? I'm like, did you read the article? I mean, because this is exactly what's happening. The price of food in the next year, we're going to see an increase of 30% a week um, on your weekly food budget. And that's got people scared. I mean, that's got people worried. Very much so. And we know that the cost of living in Alaska, at least here on the peninsula, is about 24% higher than the lower 48. So we add that on top of those projections and it's it's frightening. And down here on the lower peninsula, we're the end of the road and our grocery store has looked uh, pretty bare. Right. And, uh, you know, we've we have people who have been calling me about um, going moose hunting and having issues uh, with fishing game, telling them that their kill is not legal while other troopers are. So that's something that I'm looking into. People are getting very nervous because they're trying to provide for themselves. They're uh, just being good Alaskans, you know, taking the responsibility into their hands to be able to provide for their families and prepare for winter. And they feel like they're being hit on every side. So I'm trying to do what I can to help the people right where they are right now. But it's unfortunate that uh, we are struggling with our economy here to be able to provide for basic infrastructure. And that's something that as House Republicans, we are willing to take that issue head on next year in the legislature. Now, the PFD obviously uh, is, the, again, is the, is the thing sucking up all the oxygen in the room. As you pointed out, we haven't paid it according to the law in the last six or seven years. And uh, it has the largest impact on the private economy. That, that influx of money has the largest impact on the private economy. Uh, the solution, obviously, it's not going to get voted in in the legislature because we saw what happened in this last session. So the question is, is it something that we need to be protecting um, and uh, putting into a constitution? Because obviously the legislature has no interest in following state statute or changing state statute. They just love this status quo where they can just blatantly ignore the law. Is this something that needs to be put into the Constitution so that they are mandated to follow it? I say yes, but I also believe that when we pay better attention and we work hard to get good Alaskans, good people elected in a legislature who will follow the law, then we will have a legislature who will do the right thing. And we've had that momentum. We've had incredible turnover in the House, and now we're seeing that in the Senate because Alaskans are starting to pay closer attention. So I don't want people to think that a constitutional convention is their only hope. You continue to ask questions of the candidates right now and find out what they're made of, and you will, you will see more positive changes in the legislature. But the nice thing is, is that we do have the tool of the constitutional convention where that can be one of the issues that we guarantee right. a dividend in the Constitution as written by the people. So I think it's an incredible mechanism that we have available that our framers said, we want to put this back into the hands of the people every 10 years. 
the fiscal policy working group came up with several different options um, uh, in the end, but they unanimously decided that the one thing was nothing could be taken in isolation. And they talked about putting in a constitutional spending cap. They talked about fixing the dividend. They talked about, you know, looking at the oil taxation plan and getting because there's still money on the table there. They talked about maybe a general some kind of uh, overall tax. I mean, they 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 looked at it from every angle. And yet that report was just arbitrarily shuffled into a drawer the second that it hit. the. Nobody even talked about it on the floor. It was mentioned in passing. There was no discussion or presentations on it. Is that a pol- is that a is that a blueprint or a policy that you could get behind and that uh, you think that the legislature and the leadership should get behind to at least to have a discussion a starting point? Absolutely, that's something that the House Republicans have been talking about. And if you, uh, I know that you can only handle watching so many floor sessions, Michael, before you get cross-eyed. But uh, it was mentioned over and over, saying, "Hey, we did all this work. Was this just?" Uh, smoke and mirrors for the public right? because we were actually serious about bringing forth positive changes because we don't have any more time to waste. They had this discussion 20 years ago in the legislature and nothing changed. We don't want to be that generation who sits there and does nothing. So the House Republicans have been discussing the fiscal policy working group recommendations and plan to to move on that in the next session because we have to have a long-term fiscal plan that involves a strengthening the economy, not relying on the permanent fund like trust fund babies. We have to marry our budget with the economy and focus on growing the economy to support the size of government that we need. Well, like I said, they mentioned it. It's mentioned on the floor. People brought it up, but le- there was no yes. presentations. There was nothing else. Leadership basically ignored any commentary on the floor about it. And it went no. I mean, this is, again, you had a diverse group of people, people who were the most conservative and the most liberal in the whole legislature came together. They kumbaya They held hands. They could. And they popped out this report with different options on it. And they all came in a unanimous agreement. You just don't see that. No, no, it was really incredible. And I just want to commend the people who did the work on there because I believe they did it in good faith. It was uh, really incredible to see because they came from very different worldviews, all wanting to provide a solution. And you're right, the leadership did nothing. But we have a Republican leadership who is very willing to make this uh, the forefront of the conversation because uh, there's no more can to kick down. Or no more. Well, I guess there's plenty of cans. There's a lot of rattling going on. No more road. Right. There's no more road. We got plenty. The road is full of cans, but there's no more roads. That's (laughs) just it. We're knee deep in cans, but we can't kick it down the road any further because we're out of road. Uh, Sarah Vance is our guest, GOP state rep for District 6. We're talking about uh, the budgets and the fiscal policy working group and the plan and the PFD. So the answer is, uh, Sarah, I'm assuming that you agree with, is that we should be paying a full statutory PFD. Now, that'll do a couple things. Obviously, it is lawful. Secondly, it has the largest impact on the private economy. It's the best thing, according to people like ICER and ITEP, for what we need to do uh, is to get that money into the economy. Secondly, I think it has a fringe benefit of 
starving the beast. If that money is out of the hands of politicians and in the hands of the public, se- the private sector, then the politicians will now have to look at their piggy bank and go, how do we make this stretch? Or where do we cut? Or what do we need to do? Or at least they would be honest with themselves to say, well, we've got to find other some other revenue source or something. I mean, at least it would be that one thing again of starving the beast. Absolutely. And the thing is, I believe in the formula. It's not broken. When you understand how dividends work with corporations and and how the formula works, it's a beautiful system. And it's just infuriating that the media talks about it as this old, has-been, archaic formula that's somehow broken. It's not. And it works for the people. It belongs into their hands. I believe that the PFD should be separate from the budget because our budget discussion should be weighed on do we need revenue do we need to cut the budget that belongs in one discussion while the dividend should be a transfer like it originally was directly to the people right and when we get back to that original plan then we'll be able to see things in a clear light and and i think that's the thing uh if we took because it's sucking up all the oxygen in the room nothing else is getting done in the state because the pfd is hanging out over everybody's shoulder and again as far as being archaic it's still the only formula that has inflation proofing and it has market forces built into it the pomv doesn't you could literally draw down the 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 corpus of the fund and and damage your own earning potential with the pomv draw the permanent fund formula with a rolling average takes into accounts the bull markets and the bear markets. It goes up and down based on what's happening. It is really the best option on the table. It is. And before the POMB, no one talked about the size of the of the dividend as a big fat check. The, the dividend amount was just what it was based upon the earnings that uh, over the five-year average, as you said. Right. But now they're cheapening it making it sound like a welfare handout, a payout, if you will, when that's not what it is. It is part of our royalties as Alaskans, the benefit of our resource wealth. And we have to continue to press and divide that conversation because a lot of people who are not following along, maybe they haven't lived here in the state very long, they don't know what's going on. And we need to inform Alaskans about this very basic conversation that, frankly, I grew up with as a kid. I remember getting the the CD from the corporation that explained how it worked and the investments. And I felt an ownership in my resource as a young person because of that. And now there's an incredible disconnect. Right. No, I totally agree. I want to get into the budgets and talk a little bit about that, the size and scope. I want to talk about the, we're talking about the PFD formula. I want to talk about the other formulas as well. Uh, And so we're going to do that here in just a second. Sarah Vance is our guest, GOP candidate, uh, currently the representative for District 6, GOP candidate running for re-election in that same district, which is down on the Lower Peninsula. We're going to continue with more here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. 
Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Sarah Vance uh, in the chat with us right now. Um, We are continuing on talking about it. We're going to dive into the budgets here in just a moment. Um, uh, I'm just going back here to see if there's anything. um, uh, Dunleavy is touting this as the largest PFD ever. However, this is a short PFD with a fuel stipend. When Sarah Palin did it, she separated the two payments. Don't call the fuel stipend part of the PFD as it was short from the statutory payment. Even Dunleavy is trying to deceive the people. I mean, again, this is the, this, and this was a whole move by the House majority. They're the ones that really, really wanted this to be the fuel a fuel bonus, not not which is not the dividend. This isn't coming. This isn't a dividend. They don't want anybody to be uh, expecting this in the future, right, Sarah? I mean, that was the whole point is to try and deceive in that regard. Absolutely, smoke and mirrors, because all of the money that the three thousand two hundred and eighty four dollars is coming from the earnings reserve of the permanent fund. There's no energy relief in this. They just labeled it that just because. Uh, you know, you call an apple an orange, it doesn't make it so. Right. So um, there's been a lot of confusion about that. What Sarah Palin did when she was governor, that was extra revenue that she uh, helped distribute at that time. That is not the case this time. What the dividend amount is 50-50, is essentially the 50-50 plan, 50% of the POMB plus the amount that the House majority was trying to pass off as an energy relief. Right. But it's still your dividend. It's all coming from the same pot at this point. It's all same pot. It's all dividend money. What's always uh, outraged me, Sarah, is the fact that the state government gets the biggest slice of this pie, right? They take 75% of the royalties right off the bat. They get all the corporate taxes, all the severance, the land, the I mean, every fee, all these other things. 25% goes into the fund, and then it spins out the earnings – off of that 25%, and we get a small percentage of the five-year rolling average of that. So we're getting crumbs. Here's the cake. The state's taken three-quarters plus of the cake. The rest of the cake is put in the fridge, and then they use that, and then we've got crumbs on the end, and now they're like, oh, no, no, we we like those crumbs. We we You don't need that. You don't need that. We'll take care of you um, because they know better than we how all that money should be spent, right? Well, after all, you need roads and schools. Isn't it interesting that they always threaten things like public safety and roads and schools when uh, you look at our public safety and our roads budget? It's very, very small. Education is our second largest budget, and it's funded by formula. That's not going to change unless, uh, tell you what, it would take more than an act of Congress to get the funding formula for the schools change. That's a base student allocation. Plus they get even more for transportation and things like that. And there's another um, lie out there saying that, well, that's not going to be funded. It will be funded every year. And it's, it's interesting how that's used as another scare tactic to tell people that they need to give up their dividend. Well, that's a it's a political. Anytime we just saw the Anchorage schools, sixty eight million dollars in the hole. What's the first thing that they're talking about cutting? 
music programs, math tutoring, uh, you know, sports. I mean, all these other, I mean, it's the things that hurt you the most. I remember when Tony Knowles was governor and the state was facing a shortfall. What did they say? Oh, we'll close the road to central. We'll close the road down towards Glen Allen. We'll close the, 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 you know, the Eastern part of the Glen highway. We'll, we'll stop snow plowing all those places. Meanwhile, they were spending $600,000 to pave the back parking lot of the Fairbanks DOT facility. Uh, but you can't find a few thousand bucks to, to grade the roads? I mean, that's, oh, it's capital. It's not, I understand, but you could have moved it from the capital into the thing. It's, you know, th- this is how they do it. You don't give us the money we want, we will punish you. Exactly. And one of the other solutions that the House Republicans have been talking about is focusing on energy and providing solutions for that. If we solve uh, the energy problem here in the state, or at least start working on that and diversifying our energy, like with uh, natural gas, our cost of education will go dramatically down. I'm not talking about affecting the classroom. I'm talking about the overhead to keep our our schools heated and provide that energy this is going to be transformative if we can just focus on energy alone. And I know that the governor has been having uh, different symposiums to to have these discussions on what we need to do to provide these solutions. So people should not believe the scare tactics that they're suddenly going to have the service removed. We need forward thinking uh, candidates to be good legislators that says we're tired of the same old conversation and doing things the same way, that we have solutions. And there are some incredible Alaskans out there who are talking about this. And usually they're a uh, partner with the House Republicans. All right. We got to uh, we got to jump back into this one final segment. Sarah Vance is our guest. We're going to continue. Please like and share, like and follow. Here we go. We're continuing now with Sarah Vance, GOP candidate for District 6, currently serving as a representative there running for re-election. We've been talking about the PFD. We've been talking about ranked choice voting. We've been talking about elections. We were just talking about formulas, foundation formulas. Uh, Sarah, you know, this is a question that I like to ask. I mean, as far as budgets go, the state of Alaska uh, is it uh, is it too big? Is it too small? Is it just right? What's your take on it? I believe it's too big. Yeah, we spend more money per capita than uh, a lot of other states. And uh, yes, we are a vast state. There are some things that are necessary, but we're top heavy in a lot of areas. Right. Well, we've seen that again, last week we were talking with Rob Myers and before the influx, the glut of oil money in this state. Um, that last year we had like, it was $154 million or something. It was $150 million essentially was the entire state budget in 1969. The entire state budget was $150 million. And if you extrapolated that out for population growth and inflation, we should be somewhere in the low $2 billion range. And what was it this last year? $6 billion, something like, I mean, so if you don't think that we could find some places to cut, 
Um, you know, I think the biggest form, and you mentioned this earlier, was the school formulas. The you know, the, there's the, there's many different formulas in the state funding, but the school based student allocation is one of the biggest ones, and we need to we need to address that. We you know, the education on its face should compete with all the other state services on an equal basis. It shouldn't just get an automatic, oop, here's your paycheck, plus we'll slap some more on top of it because we can. It should have to it should have to fight it out with every other state service because, well, let's face it, we're still scholastically in the bottom of the barrel. We still have a horrible graduation rate. We've still got all these things, yet we spend more money than almost any other state in the nation on education. It's obviously not working. We need to readdress this. Well, we did pass the Alaska Reads Act last session, but I'm hoping we will begin to see some of these changes as far as our reading retention and getting our kids uh, to the level that they need to be because you can't learn anything else if you do not have the basics of reading. So we have made a positive step that way. But also let's go back to this energy conversation. The amount of uh, money that is being spent on energy is wrapped up in how much it costs to fund our schools. And I gotta give credit to Senator Mia Costello. Last year, she just said, hey, what if we separated out the cost of energy from the base student allocation? Then that that figure would start to calculate per student and reflect how much we actually spend on students and separate out how much we're putting into energy and just the infrastructure behind it. That would help us level out uh, the cost per student in Anchorage versus in the villages, for instance, right. and help bring equality to that because uh, I think there's a large disparity there and uh, we're, we're needing something better because uh, what we're doing right now clearly isn't working on many forms. And a lot of it is that uh, we have incredible costs just to keep our schools going when there's very few students there. Right. Well, what, so, about, what about duplication of effort? I mean, how many, we got all these school districts, 53 school districts, um, you know, in the state of Alaska, how many of them with all with administrations, duplicate administrations, duplicate overhead, duplicate healthcare plans, all these other kind of things. And yet many of these school districts have got handfuls of kids versus thousands of kids. Why can't we consolidate some of that? Why can't we create a health pool? Why can't we do some of those other ideas. It seems like anytime any of these things are brought up, it's like, hands off, don't touch it. You must hate the children. Uh, Those are things that we need because for the last 20, 30 years, nothing is improving except for the price of the education. Well, if you remember my first term, I did bring forth a health consolidation bill that would allow the school districts an option to have their health care through the state of Alaska because it would help reduce the cost from some of those school districts, but it came with great consternation. There's a lot of uncertainty in changing those things. So I kind of put it on pause for a little bit, but just by doing that a measure alone could save potentially $200 million. And that's not chicken feed, not in this state right now. What other areas do you think we could be cutting in the state as you look at this budget? And again, we should be down by your $2 billion. We're at 6 So there might be a few things that you could think of that uh, could, could be peeled down, pared down, or at least made more efficient. Well, I think uh, we are top-heavy in our administrative services overall. And, uh, you know, I don't 
I, I respect the the people that we have, but when you look at how big our government is in order to, to fulfill our services, especially on administrative level versus the people who have the boots on the ground, we are very, very top heavy. And when you look at that in the university, only 16% of the budget goes to the classroom in the University of Alaska. And our students are feeling that and the fees that they have, it's absolutely ridiculous. That's something that we definitely need to change, especially when there's very little accountability for how they conduct their school in the le- with the legislature. Right. We don't have the authority. It is the Board of Regents that has the authority over the school. So we essentially give them a grant every year. Right. Well, and again, the discussions of consolidation come about there. I mean, they were in the midst of discussing their own consolidation when they knew that they were going to have their budgets cut. And once all that pressure was off, they went right back to it. We have three different universities, each with their own administrative duplicative systems. We have one overarching university, you know, administration on top of that. I mean, we could consolidate 17 percent of the dollar every 17 cents of every dollar is reaching the classroom. That doesn't sound like it's uh, it's doing good for the students. No, and the whole objective is that we have Alaskan students ready for the workforce, and uh, clearly that's not happening. I am very pleased that a lot of the uh, the local colleges, like down here on, in the Kachemak Bay campus, is focusing on the trades. We have some on the marine trades and nursing, and they've very much been equipping people to get directly into the workforce and making it very community-minded. Our local colleges, like down here on the peninsula, are more efficient when it comes to that versus, say, Fairbanks. Uh, And that goes back to how uh, the cost of energy is very, very high. But again, our students are the ones who are paying these extra fees just to help the university float. And that's not that's not a solution to keep our our brilliant minds here in the state. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if that's what's going on at the university, I can just imagine the number of dollars that are trickling down into the classrooms at K through 12. Uh, again, because the administrative, we've seen the administrative overhead. There were some numbers that came out a couple of years ago with, that showed the student growth uh, in population versus the administrative. It, it had like doubled. The administration had doubled over the number of students that were there. Uh, and and I agree. I think administrative overhead is what's sucking up all the oxygen in the room. In our K-12, through the last number that I heard is about 45% of the funding goes to the classroom. So it's much better than the university, but I don't think it's where Alaskans uh, would like it to be. No. Uh, I mean, if I was delivering a product and only 40% of my money was actually going to producing my product and the rest of it was sucked up in the administration, I think I'd be making some serious cuts and some efficiencies out there. Sarah, we're down to the last couple minutes here, so I want to give you, A, a chance to make your final uh, final elevator pitch, and then uh, anything we didn't catch today that you want to touch on real quick, we got about two and a half minutes. Well, I am getting out and connecting with the people more and more and trying to just have a lot of fun. That's why we went out to the range. Uh, But reach out to me if you have any questions or concerns with anything. I'm here to serve you and stay connected on my social media pages. But, uh, you know, if you want to come and uh, just meet for coffee and talk about some of these issues that are important to you, I'm available. But I would also love to come and have a meet and greet with a lot of your friends and neighbors, just so we can connect on some of these real issues. Because I truly believe the people have the solutions. 
and can I can be your voice in the legislature and uh, get support for that because that's how we're going to solve these problems. We are not doing this alone. Uh, we do that with uh, all of your great ideas and brilliant minds in bringing that forward. So uh, I still need help in, in this race. So you can go to my sarahvance.org and make a donation. Uh, every dollar helps. Even if it's $5, $10, $20, that shows that there are more for me than against me. And uh, it really does make a difference. And I like to stretch the dollars. Uh, people ask me about my staff and I say, what do you mean, my husband? It's, it's just us. And with some really good friends who uh, work hard and, and help out wherever they can, I sure do appreciate everyone who helps out. So uh, besides that, I just love serving you and I'm looking forward to serving you again next year. You guys uh, have got signs and everything else. I'm assuming, do you have a meet and greet or anything else coming up that people can come see you at? Well, I uh, just had several back-to-back, and I'm needing to get more on the calendar, but I do have a ton of signs, so you can uh, message me, uh, give me give me a call, and uh, I can get some signs to you. You can also uh, connect with different people uh, on the peninsula who I have some signs staked out. East Road Services often has some for me, and uh, our friends in Manilchik, I try to get them uh, you know, kind of little pockets here and there. All right. Sarah Vance, sarahvance.org is where you can go. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on board today. Thanks, Michael. All right. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. We will see you tomorrow. Brad Keithley, Chris Story, The Michael Duke Show. Uh, one final question. Somebody asked it in the chat room, and I think it, it does it raise my question. The Kenai Peninsula politics, we've been watching this whole thing with Mike Navarre and uh, uh, and all this other stuff. What uh, What's your take on what's going on at the KPB right now? Do you have a comment on that? Because I think a lot of us are scratching our head going, what the hell is happening there? Clearly, there was uh, no public process, and that in itself uh, is egregious. That is something that should not be ignored. They need to be held accountable for that, regardless of the outcome. I'm a big advocate for allowing the public this process because uh, we know that it was uh, Mike Navarre who left us a $4 million deficit, and now Charlie Pierce has left us $30 million surplus. And a lot of people are nervous because they likely would not have chosen him and feel that this was some uh, shenanigans and were cut out of the process intentionally. Right. I don't know that. I don't want to make that accusation. Uh, but that's why we need to have a better public process so that they can be free from these types of accusations. The special election should happen, I think, is the bottom line here. And it should happen as soon as legally possible uh, because yes. the people should have a say and it should not be bureaucrats and other elected officials choosing the leader for the next year. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, Sarah Vance, as always, thanks for coming on. Look at that. We've got technology on our side this time. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Thanks, Michael. All right, folks, we are out of time. The Michael Duke show continues tomorrow. Please make sure to like and share, like and follow, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff, th- the stuff. We will see you then, my friends. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 